What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 99 of the 2QB Experience, the 2QB XP. Almost 200 episodes, man. This is pretty exciting. Uh, on this episode, we have Jeff Dumont uh, of 2QBs.com. You haven't been doing much for us uh, this season, Jeff, but it's only a matter of time before I rope you back into it. Listeners, you can follow him at JeffD119 on Twitter. Uh, what's up, Jeff? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about some football. Yeah, man. Um, how are you doing in our leagues? I haven't really been keeping up with everyone else's teams. I kind of just like look at my own teams, hope I win every <laughs> week, and that's it. Like honestly, like I, I'm so busy that I really don't follow the other teams in the league. So I don't know where you're at. Are you Jeff and I? For the listeners, Jeff and I play in a couple leagues together. We've been playing in these leagues for a very long time. And uh, yeah, man, how are your teams looking? Yeah, uh, actually, in our auction league, our auction keeper league, I'm in first place. I'm setting all kinds of records. I'm trying to just demolish everybody because my keepers were just ridiculous. I had Kareem Hunt for one dollar and uh, I had Pat Mahomes for a dollar. <laughs> so uh, must be nice. So yeah, and I bought uh, Saquon Barkley for eighty. So so I'm doing amazing. And I, I know that you're doing great in our redraft league. You were seven and zero, but you put up an absolute dud. I know. Oh my god! And, Ian, <laughs> I was and our I was buddy, at that. our buddy Ian's gonna leapfrog me too because he already had more points than me and he had a really good week eight that ah, that kills me man because now i like have to just out win him over the past few weeks and his team is ridiculous i don't know how i'm gonna do it yeah he he's tied with me in the auction too ian is just he, he's too good at fantasy let's kick him out he's he's good <laughs> at all of them too he's good at fantasy baseball fantasy basketball and fantasy football like and he yeah. does it like with really like when you do the draft with ian like sometimes his picks are just seem so out there and then they work and i'm just like man well, how does he see what he sees i wish i could get inside his brain sometimes but uh, anyway, enough about our leagues. Let's get yeah. to week eight, uh, what we saw take place. And we got to start with something that's a little bit post week eight, but it's related to, you know, what's been happening this season. And that's Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley of the Browns getting fired. Do you think this is going to make a difference for the Browns players and fantasy going forward? God, now it's Greg Williams running the show. And if you watch Hard Knocks, like the players don't tune out more when Greg Williams speaks than any other coach I've ever seen. I, I would like to hope that this is going to open up the offense a little bit. It can't hurt, you know? I mean, it's just a stagnant offense, and you have such a dynamic player like Baker Mayfield. I would I would upgrade him slightly, but not that much, you know? I don't know. I think they upgraded their running backs coach to the offensive coordinator, and I, I, I'd like to hope that the, that the Browns are going to do better. I like him this week. I like Mayfield this week specifically, but uh, I don't know, man. It's still Greg Williams running the show. <laughs> so how do you see, I, I guess the, the real question is the fringe players there, like Duke Johnson, Antonio Callaway, maybe Rashard Higgins if he comes back. Do you see any of those guys being players that we can use in fantasy over these final few weeks? Yeah, I think so. It's going to be really hit and miss, you know, like it, someone like Callaway. I mean, they're going to be in the receiver 30 to 50 range. They're going to be one of like the mini wide receiver threes out there. He is. Uh, I don't know. I, I would upgrade. I would upgrade him a little bit, play him in good matchups. But I don't know. I, I would hope that it's going to be better for the Browns. I would guess it's just a slight upgrade, you know. Yeah, it feels kind of like a net zero to me. But I mean, who knows? We'll see. I'm, I'm, I don't know enough about you know, their new coaching staff aside from Williams, like again, like a defensive coach being promoted to head coach. I don't really know how that's going to change what the offense looks like. Like I'm a little concerned that maybe they'll try to, you know, have more of that like Jacksonville Jaguars mentality that like ground and pound, you know, don't let the quarterback do too much or anything at all if possible. And, and that kind of that possibility terrifies me a little bit, but I think we're just going to have yeah. to wait and see. Another thing that's coming up here is the trade deadline, but I don't really want to talk about trade rumors because, 
I don't know. I, I just would rather discuss the deals after they're done. But on yeah. the other hand, this is a really crucial time for trading in fantasy leagues, right? Like a lot of bye weeks. People are trying to make playoff pushes, uh, you know, especially in, in keeper and dynasty leagues. If you know your team isn't doing very well, maybe you're trying to flip some, you know, win now players for some prospects going forward. Give me a player that you're buying and a player that you're selling going into week nine, Jeff. I have several wide receivers specifically for this week. I see so much upside compared to any other week this year. There could be league-winning Odell Beckham 2014-style upside with these receivers. Like, Cortland Sutton, I know we, you said you don't want to talk about potential trades, but it looks like Demarius Thomas might be gone from Denver. And Sutton is Demarius Thomas, but, like, he's not soft. He actually catches the ball in traffic. He, he is what you would want from Demarius Thomas. If Even if Thomas isn't there, it, Denver's going to go, you know, they're going to look towards the future. Yeah, I don't know. I like Sutton a lot. He could be a top 20 wide receiver down the stretch. I also, other guys I like are DJ Moore, uh, Kiki QT, and Traquan Smith. Uh, all these guys are super talented, super fast. They're, they're all young. They're all high draft picks. I don't know. Uh, any of these guys can really bust out, and I would I would spend a lot of fab on all of these receivers. I mean, all of these guys could be top 20 guys. Yeah, I really like the QT call with Will Fuller getting hurt this past week. I think that he's definitely in line for you know a big volume boost. He was already kind of splitting those targets with Fuller, and that should you know be even more in QT's favor going forward. I'm curious to see what happens with their third wide receiver position, or if maybe they start to give more work to the tight ends like they did uh, back on Thursday night. Um, I'm going to throw out some running backs here, actually, for my buy and sell. And one player that I would look to buy is Deion Lewis. And you might be able to apply this to all Tennessee Titans, to be honest, but their schedule really softens up now that they're through their buy. Um, for Lewis in particular, over the next three weeks, he's going to face uh, Dallas, who are 8th in targets per game allowed to running backs at 8.3. And then he faces New England and Indianapolis, and both those teams are top three in terms of the number of receptions they give up per game to running backs. So uh, Deion Lewis also yeah. has the running chops, you know. So I, I, I don't think those teams that he's playing in the next three weeks are super favorable to running backs on the ground, but based upon what they do or what they allow in the air, I think Lewis uh, is a pretty good bet to deliver solid value and just based upon how bad the Titans have been, I think you could probably get him relatively cheap in trade. And he might've even been dropped in some leagues. I know he yeah. was dropped in one of ours and I, I just swooped him yeah. right up. Yeah. I've seen him dropped in a lot of leagues. I like, I like Deion Lewis a lot too. If you just watch the Titans play, they're clearly a better team when Deion Lewis is on the field because Derrick Henry, you know, what's going to happen. He's going to fall. He's going to go directly into a center and fall down next one yard. <laughs> Henry, he's just so slow. You know, what are you doing with Henry? If you own him? Because I mean, I, I drafted him in a couple spots thinking, you know, at the very least, maybe I'll get a goal line back. Like, LeGarrette Blunt, but he really hasn't even been that. Are you? Yeah. Do you think he can be I, that type of player going down the stretch, or are you just fully out? Would you? Would you drop him? If yeah, you yeah. He, I don't think he'd be because the offense isn't that good. I mean, if you're in any kind of PPR league, I think he's an automatic drop, even in ten team leagues. If it's a non PPR, I would think about it. I mean, he's gonna bust one out. You're gonna see him run for like seventy yards because that's what he does. If he actually gets speed, he has a lot. He has really good long speed. He's just really slow to get there. You know. Um, but yeah, I would pretty much cut bait in most situations though, for sure. And my sell, and this is a little risky, I'll admit, I'm going to say Carrion Johnson is a guy who I might try to move if I could. Um, 
His remaining schedule has a couple of highlights, but it's mostly pretty brutal. Their next six opponents all rank as top 10 defenses in limiting fantasy points to running backs. Uh, Weeks 9 through 12 are at Minnesota, at Chicago, versus Carolina, versus Chicago. And not only are those teams good against the run in general, you know, all top 10 in run defense DVOA, but every single one of them is a threat to force game scripts where Detroit won't be able to run the ball. And so you might say, oh, well, that'll force them to pass it. Carry on can get some work in the receiving game. And that's true for a little while. But as soon as Theoretic comes back, that's not going to be the case. Uh, week 13, the Lions face the Rams, who admittedly haven't been as good against the run in terms of efficiency. They're 24th in run defense DVOA. But you still have the same game script concerns against them where, you know, if the if the Rams get up big, then the Lions are going to have to throw to keep up. They're not going to be able to run the ball. Now, I, I will say, I will give this caveat. If you are... If you have a roster that is set up well to make the playoffs, I think you can stash carry on for the nicer matchups that come in the fantasy playoffs. In weeks 14 and 15, he gets Arizona and Buffalo, who are two of the most you know friendly teams to running backs. So I think that there's some extra appeal there. But again, if Theo Reddick is back and healthy by that time, he could throw a monkey wrench in all of this. And I think so if you need to win now and make the fantasy playoffs, uh, you know, just to make it in the first place, you might want to try to get what you can from Carrion Johnson and uh, let him go uh, wayward to another team, if you will. <laughs> I see what you did there. Thank I you. agree with you. I think I think a lot of people really like Carrion Johnson because he's got the cool name and right. he's been putting up he's he's got he's been putting up some pretty good stats that people are assuming. I think he had like ninety percent of the um the the snap share this week. Um but um yeah, I, I agree. I think you know he'll be a middling uh, RB two going forward and not R B one like some people think he might be. Yeah, for me, it's just the matchups. Now, if I wanted to give a safer sell candidate here, I'm going to throw Eric Ebron out as a guy who yeah. is... He, and I think you can sell him right now because he just scored another touchdown in Week 8. But Jack Doyle was back. Jack Doyle appeared to be, you know, kind of the full-time tight end yet again. Uh, I think that Ebron still has that, you know, week-to-week touchdown upside. But he's going to throw some duds in there too, I would imagine. And so if you can get, you know, tight end, top five tight end value for him as he's been producing so far, you know, kind of playing against the fact that Jack Doyle has been out, uh, hoping that your trade partner doesn't realize that, you might be able to get a little bit of something for Ebron if you can find the team who is tight end needy. Uh, but I, I don't know. What do you think about Ebron? What do you think about the Colts offense going? forward because they're really starting to open things up yeah they they really are it looks like with marlon max explosion you know it looks like he might be an rb1 going forward and they might be more of a balanced offense i agree with you with ebron ebron does have a pretty good fantasy playoff schedule he's he's at houston week 14 versus dallas week 15 versus new york giants week 16 so three straight indoor games you know and ebron always does a little bit better when he's indoors um but, I mean, you're going to get, like, a tight end one value from him. He scored seven touchdowns already. You know, I think he's probably, like, what, the third ranked tight end probably in fantasy right now. Yep. So you could probably sell high, and you could just pick somebody off up, somebody up off of waivers. <laughs> That's going to be just as good. I like that you brought up Mac. Would you rather have Mac or carry on rest of the season? I think Mac. I think Mac because of that fantasy playoff schedule. Dallas is kind of tough. I mean, at Houston, New York Giants, Mac, I mean, I think you have to consider Mac a borderline RB1. I mean, I, I like him better. Yeah, definitely better than carry on. All right. Well, we're looking forward, and we should be looking back in the week eight recap. Uh, let's let's keep it going. Big picture, Jeff. What stood out to you in week eight? All right. What, what I liked about um, week eight is uh, Russell Wilson was pretty efficient with uh, 
with only 17 passes, I believe. He had three touchdowns. He's only had a maximum of 23 passes the last three weeks, and he had minimum of three touchdowns all three weeks. I mean, I mean, I guess you could sell high, you know. I guess you could say he's lucky, but I don't know. With that offense in Seattle, they're a run. They're, they're trying to run a lot with Carson and Wilson. You know how good he is. I think he's the the number one quarterback in football last year. So. I don't know. It's interesting to see how efficient he was. And in shootouts, he's going to light it up again. But uh, I thought that was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, in general, that kind of leads into what I've been seeing here. And it's just that quarterbacks continue to score like crazy in 2018. This is across the league. Team quarterbacks each week are scoring 18.03 points per game. So over 18 points per game. And I only looked back as far as 2012, but I have to assume this is the highest per game scoring average for quarterbacks ever because, you know, we're in the middle of this passing revolution, right? But even still, over the past few years, quarterback scoring per game has never even been over 17 points per game, let alone 18. So last year it was 15.52. In 2016, it was 16.37. 2015, 16.87. 2014, 16.27. Now we're all the way up at 18 fantasy points per game to each quarterback each week. That's insanity. I I mean, can this continue? I mean, the rule changes and whatnot seem to be pushing us in that direction. I'm just so skeptical to to really lean into it too hard because, I I mean, this isn't how statistics usually work, but I think we have to at this point assume that it's going to continue because it's been eight straight weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's looking like the NFL is becoming flag football with the rule changes and everything. I think it's just a new era. It's a, it's it's not your grandfather's football. You know, it's uh, it's just you're gonna see a lot of forty to forty three games like we did a couple Sunday nights ago, and that's what the NFL wants to do. You know, <laughs> so so I think yeah, I agree. You just have to take the last three, four year stats and you just upgrade to ten percent, you know, for two thousand eighteen. And it's probably gonna give even even more ridiculous going forward next year and the year after. The one <laughs> place where you see it reflected in a very strange way, or maybe not a strange way, it's it's somewhat predictable, or in the over unders of these games now. Like have you been following those much this season? A little bit. Yeah. It's just it's crazy how high some of these numbers are getting. And I yeah. in the case of some matchups, it doesn't seem like they can set the lines high enough. Uh, I know that a couple weeks ago, they they overcorrected and the, a bunch of unders said. I think the unders went like ten and four or something like that in week seven. Right. If I'm, I think I read that stat somewhere. But I think so. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those things where, from a prognostication standpoint, in, in fantasy, a lot of the times we'll look at those totals and we'll look at like an implied team total and try to figure out, you know, where the most scoring is going to take place in any given week. And when all the games have these huge totals. It's kind of it makes it harder to figure out which are the right plays because all of the games look good, you know, relative to our expectations from previous seasons. We have to recalibrate yeah. everything now, right? Like if quarterbacks are scoring yeah. 18 points per game as a whole, like if every quarterback that includes CJ Beathard and Josh Allen and like all the crappy quarterbacks, like yeah. they're trying to bring that average down and they can't do it. That means that the the quarterbacks in the middle, that middle class of QBs, like they are scoring like crazy and. Mm-hmm. Week to week, that makes figuring out like what the right plays are a total crapshoot. You know, at least relative to what yeah. we were used to. How are you approaching that week to week? Like when you have a, a start sit between a couple of QBs or even you know a couple of wide receivers that's close, do you lean on those Vegas totals? Uh, what, what are you doing to kind of help make those tougher decisions? Yeah, I definitely still do lean on those Vegas totals, and I've seen so many more games 
over 50 of the over-under than I've ever seen. Like, when I was living in Vegas, it was – every game was 40 to 48. You know, anything over 48 was crazy. And, like, even next week, we have an over-under of 60 of the Rams Saints. 60. That's <laughs> insane. It's 57 and a half, Green Bay and New England. Like, this is insane. And you know one of these games is going to go over that even. It's freaking crazy. And uh, it's like that. It seems like in all sports, even NBA, there's way more over-unders. There's way the higher totals. But, yeah, I still look at the Vegas totals. And, you know, it's it's nice to see, like, you know, just as a reference, you know, a lot of them are pretty close because you're going to get a lot of games that are 47 to 50, you know. And if you're splitting hairs like that, you just got to go with the guy, with your guy, you know, somebody who's playing better, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I definitely still reference those over-unders, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things where maybe I should have seen it coming in this past week was Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, and I had yeah. the choice between those two in oh. at least one league, and I don't know, I talked myself into Jameis just because of the weapons that he has, because of I, I just like the Buccaneers' offense more than I like the Bengals' offense since they lost John Ross and Tyler Eifert, and Boy, was I wrong. I mean, I c- couldn't have been more wrong. I'm, I'm going to probably lose because of it. But I mean, your, your thought process is fine. I mean, both Tampa quarterbacks combined, I think, were better than Dalton, right? <laughs> sure, but if you but if you looked at the the Vegas over under you or at the Vegas yeah, line, you would have seen that, right? You, yeah. And you would have seen that Dalton was the favorite in that match because yeah. they're playing at home, and maybe that's yep, reason yep. enough to play him over Jameis. But I mean, we can't like hindsight. I can't hindsight this to death, you know. But that was one instance where. You know, I didn't want to lean too much into or, or, or trust too much in the implied totals. I wanted to go based off of, you know, the talent uh, that I that I perceived Jameis to have an advantage in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I guess I was just wrong. And uh, I mean, we, we got to move into this discussion because Winston was so bad that he got replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick yet again. And Fitzmagic has already been named the Week 9 starter. I don't think we had real expectations for Fitzmagic, so he can't really be the week eight quarterback boom of the week. Um, and we'll get to that. I want to know who your QB boom of the week was, but what are you doing with Fitzpatrick? I mean, this is an, like an empty the clip in super flex and two QB fab, right? Like we have to just yeah. kind of go all out to get him at this point, right? Yep. A hundred percent of your fab. If you're in the two QB league, you have to just empty everything for Fitzpatrick. And he's going to be borderline QB one. I mean, down the stretch. I mean, you, you can see how, how much better that Tampa offense is when Fitzpatrick is behind center. Like, I don't know. It's just, they have a good offense coordinator and their air raid offense. I mean, they have so many targets too, and they just need a competent quarterback. And while Jameis is super talented, he's more talented than Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick just knows how to QB better than Jameis. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Fitzpatrick uh, just plays the rest of the year. Jameis Winston is guaranteed under contract only from injury, so it might be a RG three situation where there might they might just bench him outright, no matter how bad Fitzpatrick is. So I, if I were if I were to guess, if I were to bet, I would bet that Fitzpatrick's going to be the starter from here on out. So you'll be good. You'll be good all the way through week 16. Yeah. And I mean, this is the argument against, or this is the argument for me playing Jameis over Dalton. Is you look at what Jameis and Fitzpatrick did as a unit at a combined total, they were the QB two. But because th- those points were split between two players, uh, my, uh, yeah. my decision to use Jameis did not work out well. Um, <laughs> I teased uh, the boom of the week earlier. Who do you got for the quarterback who outperformed your expectations the most in week eight? Uh, Derek Carr. I mean, wow. I didn't see that coming after trading Amari Cooper. You know, I mean, yeah, I know he was playing the Colts and you kind of should have figured that 
he would have had a pretty good game against that defense. But, I mean, I think he was the number two or three scorer last week. QB, or in week yeah, eight. QB3 pending Monday Night Football. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, with the, those targets that he has, Jordy Nelson leading the way, like, I did not see Derek Carr having that good of a game. So, I mean, that was pretty impressive. I thought Josh Rosen was pretty good, too, against the Niners. They're having a bye week coming up. And I, I really think the Cardinals offense might actually surprise some people down the stretch in, in a couple weeks and all the way through the, you know, the fantasy playoffs. So Rosen is somebody I would buy low on right now. Yep, Rosen was my streamer of the week last episode, and that, that worked out pretty well. It took till the end of the game for him to really deliver on that, but hey, man, that's that's all yeah. you need. Like, fantasy points are fantasy points. Uh, I like the car call. He was on my list. I think there were only, for me, really three guys who could fit the bill for Boom of the Week, and Carr was one of them. Uh, Blake Bortles in, you know, I should say Sir Blake Bortles uh, yeah. <laughs> in London against Philadelphia. He had about 19.7 points. He was the QB 12. I mean, that's not amazing, but that's better than I was expecting against Philly, although... Maybe I shouldn't, like, maybe Philly's past defense just isn't what it used to be. But um, before I get to mine, getting back to Carr, do you think this is more about the matchup against Indianapolis? Do you think, or do you think he can continue this level of play? Like, was, is there some Ewing theory here for Amari Cooper? Ewing theory? <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, I think it was just, they're coming off a bye. They had a soft matchup. They were at home. It was the best possible situation for Derek Carr. You're not going to see 30 plus points again from Derek Carr. Uh, I don't know. I think the Raiders are as close to a dead team as you can get. Um, but yeah, no, he had his best game of the year. Good for him. Good for the Raiders. I hope the Raiders beat the Niners on Thursday because I'm a Niners fan. I want them to tank. Trust the process. <laughs> oh, if you don't think they were tanking in week eight, you're kidding yourself, man. Like, <laughs> I know. Uh, how about the, at the end of the game, the center uh, throwing the snap 20 yards behind the quarterback. <laughs> Point shaving, man. Yeah, now that yeah. was that was ugly. The Niners have uh, they have some problems. Uh, they need to get that sorted out. And a short week probably isn't going to help that. But I mean, looking ahead at Carr's schedule, like this week is fine, San Francisco. Uh, but after that, it's uh, the the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and then Cincinnati and Denver uh, in the fantasy playoffs. That is not a very yeah. easy schedule. I think if you can sell high off of Carr uh, based upon this game, or or maybe you wait until to see what he does against San Francisco and try to build off of that, that he's another guy who I think you could try to get away from because by the time I play the Chargers, uh, the Chargers will have Joey Bosa back, and the rest yeah. of those defenses have all been pretty good uh, against QBs. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with yeah. you. I think Carr is somebody who to try. You should try to get away from if you can. Um, it's not always that easy, but. Uh, getting back to the boom of the week for me, I'm actually going to throw Cam Newton out there, and maybe we shouldn't be surprised because Cam Newton is a you know a very good player. He is kind of a matchup beater on his own, but I really didn't expect him to put up almost 28 points against Baltimore because that Ravens defense is legit, and mm. for whatever reason, Cam uh, was able to uh, surpass that and, and really really smash in Week Eight. Uh, he was the QB two pending Monday Night Football, so um, he's it for me. Uh, what do you yeah. think about Cam this season? Are you are you still excited about him going forward? Yeah, I love Cam Newton. Uh, he, I think he has the best fantasy playoff schedule uh, also uh, going forward. Week 14, he's at Cleveland. Week 15, at home versus the Saints, which should be a shootout, another 60-point over-under. And week 16, the fantasy uh, championship is versus Atlanta. I mean, it doesn't get much better than Cleveland Saints and Atlanta. I don't know. I love Cam Newton. He could be the QB1 going forward. He still gets two matchups against the Bucks too in the in the fantasy yeah. regular season. It's absurd. Like his schedule is <laughs> beautiful. If you can get Cam Newton, now's a great time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your uh, bust of the week in week eight? The quarterback who underperformed your expectations the most. 
Uh, Drew Brees, I mean, I, I thought he'd be a little bit better. I mean, in a dome, it was at Minnesota. Minnesota's a pretty good defense. But if you if you look at the, the game script, I mean, they didn't really need him. You know, they had a lot of rushing touchdowns. They scored 30 points. They won by 10. You know, so I wouldn't chalk that much up, you know, from Drew Brees only getting single-digit fantasy points. But um, but that was a disappointment. I know a lot of people started Drew Brees, and I would continue starting Drew Brees. If I had to rank QBs going forward, Drew Brees and Cam Newton would be in the top three with Aaron Rodgers. And it will maybe top four with Mahomes, too. But um, I wouldn't worry about Drew Brees. But obviously, James Winston is also a huge bust of the week, as you know. <laughs> yep. He's my pick. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> oh, wow. Winner, winner. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Jameis, 8.8 points. Uh, that, that's really hard to say. That was really dumb. 8.8 8 points, points. Um, anyway, he was going to be 25 uh, on the road at Cincinnati, and looks like he's getting benched going forward. So I think he has to be my bust of the week. Uh, Breeze was on my list, too. But like you said, it wasn't like that was his fault, necessarily. Uh, they just didn't need him to produce. And I guess that'll happen. Like, that, that happens to Jared Goff sometimes. Uh, it happens to these teams that have good offenses with good running games, it's like the opposite of what happens to Aaron Rodgers, right? Like because yeah. they refuse to use Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers is always going to be throwing. And even in a down week, like week eight, where Rodgers scored about 16 points and was the QB 17, like that 16 is fine, right? It's a top 20 finish. Uh, but if you look at Winston, you look at Breeze outside the top 25, that, that's brutal. Um, another guy I want to throw out here just as an honorable or dishonorable mention, I guess, is Alex Smith who against the New York Giants only posted 12.42 fantasy points. He was the QB 22 and will probably fall uh, lower than that after Monday Night Football. So, yeah, Alex Smith, what are you doing, man? you got to be able to beat the Giants. Like <laughs> Washington's offense is atrocious to watch. Like We yeah. were forced to watch that in the Bay Area as yeah. like the one morning game because it was, you know, East an Coast NFC. Bias. Yeah, East Coast bias, exactly. <laughs> NFC East game, and the Niners and Raiders both played in the afternoon. And I should have just left. I should have just gone to a bar where I could have watched <laughs> any other game. But I, like, stayed yeah. home. I slogged through it, and I I regret it. I, I should not have yeah. done that. What a shit game, man. You got to get into red zone, man. That's all I got to say. I pay extra just to have red zone. I know. I shouldn't complain. This is all on me. I could I could yeah. have ponied up for the package. But I honestly, like, I like zooming in on one game and yeah i kind of like the fact that i was forced to watch one game and that i could you know pick it apart and, and go a little deeper yeah. on that the problem is is that i'm not really gaining any new information about alex smith or eli Manning. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like those guys have been in the league long enough so if i'm trying to really zoom in on quarterback play and, and see what's going on you know with certain players in in their teams like those two teams are ones that I'm so disinterested in, and I feel like those players are known commodities that it really was just kind of a colossal waste of time. Right. Oh, man, I hate watching Alex Smith. <laughs> After all those years being a Niners fan in the Bay Area, having to slog, slog through his games, his checkdowns and everything, he is what he is, and he's the greatest game manager ever, and that's it. <laughs> well, yeah, and, it, and it's really brutal to watch when like half of his – playmakers are hurt like chris thompson yeah. is 100 percent. paul richardson's on the injury report every week jordan reed is jordan reed like yeah i'm sad to see what happened to him after the year he had last year in kansas city but i mean yeah. if this is the price we pay for pat mahomes so be it you know, yeah we have to let that happen <laughs> um let's get I'll into the week it. nine preview jeff yeah. and i want to start with streamer of the week and we're going to go a little deeper here because i feel like there are a lot of really good options or not good options but a lot of viable options and i think it's important to try to spend a little bit more time sussing out the process of sorting through these guys because you might have 
maybe two or three of these guys available to you, um, especially if you're in like a one QB league and you're looking for a streamer. But even in two quarterback leagues, sometimes like I talked about how I had a hard decision between Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston. You know, this week you might have a tough decision between, you know, Derek Carr and Sam Darnold or Alex Smith and Joe Flacco. And there are just so many guys this week that are cheap, but also in, you know, good enough matchups that I think we should spend some extra time and try to figure out, how to sort through these guys, how to tier them maybe. And so I've got a long list of quarterbacks here and I'm going to read them Mm -hmm. off for the listener's sake up front. Uh, And then you and I can kind of go through them one at a time or two or three at a time, however, however it works to figure out, you know, which ones we like the most, which ones we are the most down on. So without further ado, uh, Derek Carr at San Francisco on Thursday night. On the other side of the ball, we have CJ Beathard against Oakland. Uh, And then on Sunday, we have Baker Mayfield against the Chiefs. Sam Darnold at Miami, Brock Osweiler at home against the Jets, Alex Smith at home against the Falcons. Uh, We already talked about how that's a defense we like to exploit. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick on the road at Carolina, Joe Flacco at home against Pittsburgh, Case Keenum versus Houston, Dak Prescott versus Tennessee on Monday night, other side of the ball, Marcus Mariota against Dallas, and then uh, I'm not really sure where to slot Mitchell Trubisky in on the potential streamer of the week or potential uh, clipboard holder of the week. So I'll throw him on this list as well. And uh, maybe we can save him for last to figure out whether we'd rather start him or rather bench him. But among that big list of quarterbacks, I just spouted out at you, Jeff, <laughs> where, where do you want to go first? Like who are your top picks out of that group? Uh, my top, my top guy is still probably Baker Mayfield. I mean, I mean, it's against Kansas city. The over under has got to be great. It's a uh, 51 and a half. You know they're they're eight and they're going to be nine or ten point hundred dollars by the time the, the the game actually starts, but uh, I don't know. I think with the coach firing, I mean I'm I'm pretty sure that going forward it's it's Baker Mayfield's team more than Gray Williams' team. Baker's going to be able to do what he wants when he wants, and it, it, obviously th- there was something wrong with that offense. They have so much talent with Njoku and uh, and Landry. I don't know. Baker is incredible. You know, I don't know. I like Mayfield a lot against Kansas City. A lot of he might be coming from behind a lot. You know, a lot of garbage stats. But I don't know. He could be a top five QB uh, this week. I I would stream him and I I would play him in DraftKings and FanDuel, too. (laughs) So I think he's a fine streamer. But if I'm going to pour some cold water on his prospects for week eight, I'm going to start with the season-long stats against Kansas City. They've allowed the eighth most points per game to quarterbacks, 20.73. Uh, only a quarter of their games have resulted in top 10 finishes for QBs, though. On the other hand, uh, three quarters of their games, 75%, have resulted in top 20 finishes. So you're probably going to get a pretty safe floor from Mayfield in this week, and that's that's fine. Uh, the average weekly finish against the Chiefs is QB 13.5. Uh, that's ninth wow. highest in the league. So that's pretty good. Um, but if we only look at their more recent games since week three, They've allowed three QB11 finishes, like QB11 on the nose, but no top 10s in that span. And since week three, uh, 16.32 points per game. So that's way down from the 20.73 over the whole season. And the average weekly finish since week three against them is QB17.3. So the defense seems to be figuring some things out. And if... You know, they are big favorites against Baker Mayfield. That could mean that Mayfield's going to be in predictable scripts. Mayfield's been taking mm-hmm. a lot of sacks. And if he's taking a lot of sacks, maybe he makes some more ill advised throws. I think there's still some reason for concern here. But with that said, 
it is still a good enough matchup that I think you can play him and I think you can feel yeah. good about it. Again, based upon that 75% top 20 finish rate, yeah. the fact that, you know, even when the Chiefs are performing well, they're still giving up like top top 15 type finishes to QBs. So yeah, that's fine. Um, after Baker, who are you looking at? Like, who do you like the most after that? Uh, after that, uh, I like both QBs you know, on Thursday, you know, uh, the, uh, the Battle of the Bay Area. Carr and uh, C.J. Beathard. Yep. Uh, the over-under is, I think, 48, and uh, neither of these defenses are good at all. You know, I mean, this, I would guess it's going to go much over uh, 48, and, and it's a great, great, uh, great matchup to stream both of these QBs. I mean, Derek Carr's coming off the great game. You know, he doesn't have to travel. You know, he has to travel across the, the Bay Bridge. Uh, and uh, C.J. Beathard against Oakland. I mean, I don't know. I, I, like, I like both these guys quite a bit. Yep, I'm with you on this, and I'm... I mean, Beathard has the rushing upside, which helps, and Carr has the really good matchup against the Niners. The Niners have allowed the seventh most points per game to QBs. Half the games against them have resulted in top 10 quarterback finishes. Uh, 85 or 87% uh, have resulted in top 20 finishes. So, yeah, these are both really good spots. I agree that these guys have to be in consideration. I think I slightly prefer Carr to Beathard, uh, if only because he's a little bit more experienced because the Niners are a slightly worse defense. Uh, do you have a preference between the two? I would go with the Vegas side. Uh, the Niners are minus three. They, sh- they should win this game, right? I mean, <laughs> the tank is on. I-, I mean, I would probably go Beathard slightly ahead of Carr, but, I mean, it's flipping a coin. It really is. <laughs> All right. After those two, who do you got? Uh, after that, I kind of, you know what? I kind of like Dak Prescott. I mean, they just trade. I mean, this is the Cowboys, and they, they operate differently than than any other NFL franchise. They just traded for Amari Cooper. They traded a first round pick. They're going and their first game with Cooper after a bye is on Monday Night Football. They're, they're going to show off their shiny new toy, you know. And I don't know. I feel like Cooper will be good. You know, they're going to force the ball to him. They're going to make sure he looks good. And I, I think Prescott might be pretty good against Tennessee coming off a bye at home. Yeah, so this is probably where I would go with Alex Smith instead, just because the Falcons matchup is so good. I, I know that Smith hasn't been great, but the Falcons allow almost 25 points per game to quarterbacks, yeah. which is second highest in the league. Uh, and every top 20 finish they've allowed this year has also been a top 10 finish. Uh, that means that the average weekly finish against the Falcons is 8.7, which is you know the second best mark in the league. I, no matter what you think about Alex Smith, this is just a, a really cake matchup, and I think that he's... He's the guy for me in this spot. I like him more than Dak. Um, yeah. Where would you slot Smith, or, or where would you tier Smith in terms of these other guys? I, I would put him right up there with Dak, honestly. I, I like, I like, I mean, the over/under for that game for the Washington Atlanta game is forty-seven and a half, and so Alex Smith is borderline QB one. You know, they're coming off a loss too, so I don't know. Oh no, did they win? Sorry, <laughs> Washington won last week, didn't they? They did. Yeah, AP. <laughs> they man. did. <laughs> oh right, yeah. It was all AP all the time. You know, uh, I I like him a lot, but um, I don't. I would still go Prescott over Smith. What are you doing with Ryan Fitzpatrick on the road at Carolina? Because Carolina's been one of those bend but don't break types of defenses. They haven't allowed a whole lot of top ten finishes, only fourteen percent, but they've allowed eighty six percent of their opponents to finish top twenty among quarterbacks. The points per game they have allowed is is right in the middle of the pack, seventeen point eight, which is seventeenth highest in the league. We we like the offense, right? We like Todd Monken. We like the weapons yeah. there. But Fitzpatrick is just as mistake-prone as Jameis, maybe a little bit less so, and maybe, like you said, a little bit smarter about how to play the quarterback position. But this isn't a pushover matchup, and I'm worried that we might be getting a little too excited based upon what he did against the Bengals in you know mop-up duty. 
Yeah, this is true. Carolina is very good at home. They're a much better team at home than away from home. Um, I mean, the over-under is I – mean, we're going to the over-under again, I know. But it's 54, and, I mean, I mean, you can't – I don't know. Uh, That's I good enough. That, I mean, that matters. Yeah. I would put him in the QB 10 to 12 range, borderline QB 1. You know, like he's he, he's still going to be good. You know, I mean, his targets are amazing. I mean, between Howard and, you know, and uh, Evans and Deshaun Jackson, if they keep him and uh, Chris Godwin, if Jackson goes, by the way, I mean, Chris Godwin could be a top 20 wide receiver down the stretch. I hate that you picked him up in our league, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I cut him. He's a, he's a one dollar keeper, too. You know, you know, and uh, so yeah, I hate you for that. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't keep him because I have Odell Beckham and DeAndre. Yeah, Hopkins, I know. So yeah, and David Johnson, your, your keepers are ridiculous. You're three time defending champ in that league. I hate you. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're mopping the floor with me right now, so I can't yeah. really talk shit. Um, <laughs> the tides have turned. No, but I would start Fitzpatrick. You know, pretty comfortably, especially in a two QB league. Let's uh, let's talk about these other guys: uh, Darnold, Osweiler, Flacco, Keenum, Prescott, Mariota, Trubisky. Do any of those stand out to you? Like, we might as well have the Trubisky discussion now. Would you yeah. peg him more as a streamer of the week or a uh, clipboard holder of the week, a guy who you might want to bench because he's going on the road at Buffalo, and while he's been getting it done with his legs, they're probably not going to have to do much to beat the Bills if if Monday Night Football is any indication. And the Bills have actually been pretty good on defense against the quarterback position. Uh, the 15.2 points per game they've allowed is uh, 28th in the league, so they, they've done a good job at suppressing quarterback scoring. What are you doing with Trubisky? Do you think he's worth streaming, or would you rather bench him this week? I would definitely bench him this week. They're not going to need Trubisky's passing stats. He might get a few rushing yards, you know, and he might be safe for 10 to 15 fantasy points. But Buffalo's been pretty good against QBs, like you said. Uh, they've, I think they held in check Rodgers, um, I'm pretty sure Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins, I think. Yep. They all did not have good games at all. Uh, so, I mean, I wouldn't expect much at all. I would choose a lot of these other quarterbacks we just talked about over Trubisky. I would, I would safely bench him. I, I know he's top five. I think he's number five at average fantasy points per game at QB, which is insane. He's playing way over his head. He's a sell high, absolutely. Trubisky, if you watch him play, he's not very good. He's not good at all. <laughs> he might, he might just be Tyrod Taylor, though. You know, he might be that yeah. guy who does enough through the year that. Once you factor in the rushing production, it doesn't matter. He's still going to be a top yeah. 10, top 12 guy. And it's hard to resolve that, you know, when you watch the game yeah. and, and you're like, oh, man, do I have to start this guy? And then you look at the <laughs> points that he has at the end of the week and you're like, oh, shit, well, it was totally worth starting him. I should have been starting him all along, you know? Yeah. That's been me and the Scott Fishbowl the past three weeks. I've started Dalton <laughs> over him. And I'm like, every week Dalton's been outscored by Trubisky. And I'm like, it doesn't seem like that should be the case based upon the way yeah. they play. But that's how the stats break out. It's that cheat code. It's that uh, those rushing yards and Trubisky. You gotta gotta think of him as a top three rushing QB. It, it's weird, but it's true. He's super athletic and and he's got enough targets to to pad his stats. Otherwise, you know. So yeah, you're right. You're right. He he, he might not be good. I mean, Blake Bortles is not good at all. Trubisky's probably better than him. And Bortles is usually a top ten QB. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, Bortles is the same sort of thing. It's it's very yeah. similar. Um, another player who I've compared to Blake Bortles is Case Keenum, and yeah. I don't think I think he's probably not he's probably the bottom of this list for me just because the Houston defense has been pretty good they've been about as good as Buffalo against quarterbacks uh, only fifteen point four fantasy points allowed to QBs uh, only thirty eight percent of games against the Texans have resulted in top twenty quarterback finishes the average weekly finish against the Texans is QB nineteen point four which is thirtieth that's that's third worst in the league so I think Keenum's a guy you probably want to stay away from here um, yeah. 
any thoughts on him though? Like, is this something where maybe we could get some contrarian value with him in DFS because no one wants to play him? I, I, I'm skeptical. I'm just kind of just throwing yeah. shit out there. Like, I, I don't actually believe this. I'm just, I'm wondering if you want to play a devil's advocate here. I know you're right about the contrarian value because every lot. I mean, the public's going to think very lowly of Case Keenum. He almost lost his job to the guy that dressed up as a cowboy and got arrested and got cut. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Case Keenum. I mean, he's going to be very low owned, definitely. Uh, he's at home too, right? And Houston can get beaten, and those receivers are pretty good with or without Demarius Thomas. I love I love Portland Sutton. Case Keenum could have a low key, pretty good game. You know, like he's not horrible. I mean, he's not good, but he's not bad. And in today's NFL, being not bad could still net you a 300 plus yard gain and 20 plus fantasy points. <laughs> would you rather play him or Trubisky? Uh, Keenum, yeah, I would go Keenum. Okay, I'd go, at home. I'd go yeah. Trubisky. Let's keep this game really? going for the other guys here. Uh, Trubisky or Sam Darnold at Miami? Oh, man. <laughs> I would go Sam Darnold. I would. I, I really don't like Trubisky this, this week. Okay, uh, Osweiler versus Trubisky? Oh, jeez. I hate Osweiler so much. <laughs> <laughs> He's so bad. Give me Mitch. Give me Mitchell. <laughs> All right, last one. Uh, Joe Flacco. Oh, no, I got two more. We'll start with, yeah, Joe Flacco uh, at home against the Steelers against Trubisky. Yep. Uh, I like Flacco. Flacco at home, it's going to be a shootout. Flacco needs to keep his job. If he loses in many more games, they're going to go to Lamar Jackson. So it's an Alex Smith type of thing for Flacco. Give me Flacco. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Trubisky there, too. Um, the Steelers have actually <laughs> been sneaky good against QBs over the past few weeks. Ever since Joe yeah. Hayden got healthy, um, they've been a lot better. They've held their last three opponents to finishes between QB 17 and QB 20 uh, with about 15 and a half points per game in that span. And it's man, that still trips me out because 15 and a half points per game sounds fine, right? From a yeah. quarterback, but this year that's just not good enough because the average QB <laughs> scores 18 points per goddamn game. Um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> all right, last one uh, Marcus Mariota, Monday Night Football at Dallas against Ugh. Mitchell Trubisky. Who would you rather start? Oh, man. M- Mariota's been so bad. They haven't made any coaching changes, have they? I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, they should. They just did re- in the offseason. They can't fire their coaches. Yeah, I know. Let's do it again, damn it. I know the guy came from LA, I think. But uh, I would I would, I would, would go Mariota still. I really would. Uh, indoors, he's had a bye week uh, and an extra day for Monday Night Football. I don't know. Dallas is a good defense, but Mariota's rushing yardage should be should put him slightly over Trubisky. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you say that knowing that Mitchell Trubisky can. Run I know, the ball. I know, I know. <laughs> we just spoke about that. Now give me Mariota. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at the stats, and it's actually pretty close in terms of matchup. They're they're actually tied the the Bills and the Cowboys for average weekly finish against by QBs. Uh, QB seventeen point six, which is twenty third in the NFL. Um, but with Dallas, you get more of a floor. They've allowed about 71% of their QB weeks to be top 20, um, whereas Buffalo's only allowed 57% top 20 weeks. Uh, but on the top 10 side, uh, Dallas is stingier. Uh, only 14 weeks against Dallas have resulted in top 10 games for QBs, uh, but against Buffalo, it's about 29%. And I think that goes to speak to the pace with which the Cowboys play at. Like They're trying to slow games down, yeah. use Ezekiel Elliott, and lean on their defense, lean on the running game, whereas Buffalo is also trying to do that. They're just not very good, so they can't. Like, they don't have that an offense that, you know, an offensive line and a running back like Zeke to make that work, and so they end up giving up more ceiling games to quarterbacks. And so for that reason, I, again, would lean in favor of Mitchell Trubisky. So hmm. I'm definitely higher than uh, on the biscuit than you are, but um, yeah. I, it, all these guys are so close, man. It's really hard to, to discern between which quarterbacks you're going to start. 
Uh, let's talk about our clipboard holders of the week. These are the QBs who we would normally start, but in week nine, we're going to avoid for some reason or another. Um, we talked about Trubisky. It sounds like you're on board with that, but are there any other QBs that stand out as guys to bench this week? Yeah, I was all in on Trubisky. You know, I mean, it, it's crazy to me that he's the number five QB in Tennessee points per game. I would not start him at all. Um, Mario, I, I really not a big fan of Mariota too, but I don't think many people are, but yeah. Yep. So, I mean, Trubisky is on my list as a guy who you could shy away from just because the matchup is potentially dangerous. But for me, my official clipboard holder of the week has to be Big Ben, uh, Ben Roethlisberger on the road, which we always have to be worried about. He's going against the Ravens, who are one of the best defenses in the league, despite what they did or what they allowed Cam Newton to do last week. So, I I don't know. I think Roethlisberger is a guy who you really have to be afraid of. Um, I'm going to have to start him based on bye weeks in a couple leagues this week, and I'm not thrilled about it. Let's just put it that way. Um, (laughs) A couple other names I'll throw out here. I just kind of want to take your temperature on these players uh, in their given matchups. Matt Ryan going on the road against Washington. We know that Ryan tends to play better inside in domes, but um, on the road uh, against the Redskins, who have allowed about 18 fantasy points per game, uh, 16th most in the NFL. Uh, 43% of their weeks have resulted in top 10 finishes for quarterbacks, but only 57% have resulted in top 20 weeks. Uh, The average weekly finish against Washington is 16.1, right in the middle of the pack, 17th in the NFL. So are you worried about Matt Ryan? Are you going to use him with confidence this week? I think that just based upon the way their offense works, based upon how bad their defense is, he's going to have to throw a lot anyway. They're coming off a bye. I don't think I can bench him here, but I don't know. The matchup isn't great. What what do you do with Matt Ryan in Week 9? Yeah, it's one of those things. In a 2QB league, you you can't bench him pretty much. But if I were only in a 1QB league, I would probably look to bench him. At Washington, it's not the best best matchup. Definitely. Out, outside of a dome, you know. Over-under is 47.5. You know, I wouldn't think... I don't know. I would I would guess he's anywhere from ten to twenty. You know, a safe QB two, but uh, he's not going to have the top ten uh, week this week. I mean, he could though, and I guess that's the point. I mean, I guess any quarterback can. Like Yo. you saw Russell Wilson score three touchdowns on what seventeen pass attempts, like you yeah. said. Like that, you could hope for that type of game. But even still, I think Matt Ryan has that floor, like you said. Um, the other guy I want to throw out is Philip Rivers going on the road at Seattle. Rivers is also coming off a bye, but Seattle's been a much more stingy defense against quarterbacks. They've only allowed 13 points per game. That's dead last in the NFL. Uh, No quarterback has finished top 10 against the Seahawks. Hmm. Only 43% have finished top 20. Average weekly finish against them, also dead last. QB 22.1. The best finishes against the Seahawks were way back in week one. uh, Case Keenum was the QB 13 with about 19 fantasy points. And then just last week, Uh, against Matthew Stafford he was the QB 17 with uh, 17 fantasy points those are probably the best passers that the Seahawks have faced though the other opposing QBs they've had have been Trubisky who you've already said you you don't like uh Dak Prescott Josh Rosen Jared Goff and Derek Carr so Rivers is definitely their toughest test of the season and maybe he can beat this matchup but uh what do you think like where do you lean in favor of Rivers or uh the Seattle defense uh I would still go Rivers honestly yeah I know I mean, Seattle, it's weird that Seattle's been so good against QBs because they lost so much talent on that defense. You know, you know, no Earl Thomas. Um, I would, I don't know, I, I would be, I would safely start Rivers, absolutely. The over-under is 48, you know, and I i don't think he's afraid, especially coming off of a bye. He's not afraid of that secondary. He's not afraid of that defense. Yeah. I don't know. 
I, I would go Rivers. I think it's more about the QBs they face than anything, which is what makes yeah. them look so good on paper. Now, with that said, like we talked about with Dallas earlier, the Seahawks are one of those teams that try to grind you out with the running game and really slow down yeah. the pace of the game. And with that in mind, you can maybe expect a lower volume from Rivers than you would in previous weeks. And so maybe he's not a full avoid, but he might be, you know, a slight fade uh, if you're looking at him maybe in DFS or something else. But with yeah. that said, I, I think he's still fine. I think in a two-quarterback format, you, you're definitely starting him kind of along the same lines as Matt Ryan, where the matchup yeah. may not look great, but based upon the type of player he is, he can beat this matchup, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. What else are you looking forward to on the Week 8 slate, Jeff? So for the Week 8 slate, uh, the thing I'm most looking forward to is that, that Rams-Saints game. It is going to probably be for home field advantage in the NFC. The over-under is 60, and the Rams are minus 1.5. Holy crap. <laughs> this game is going to be amazing. Also, the Sunday night game, the, the Patriots and uh, Aaron Rodgers. Have you, have you seen that promo with Michael Jordan? No, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It, it's all like, it's like, uh, he goes, he's like, uh, we even have the same number. It's about time we play a uh, one-on-one to see who the greatest of all time is. And, uh, you know, he's referring to like Jordan versus LeBron, but no, it's uh 12 versus 12 Rogers versus, uh, <laughs> versus Brady. It's great. <laughs> Just a little salt like, to LeBron James. Time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like little, that. Little, yeah, it's great. I love how uh, Jordan is LeBron. <laughs> send, send me a link to that. I'll put it in the show notes for the listeners. Uh, I will. I will. <laughs> but yeah, Rams Saints. We we got to talk about this game. I mean, it's a national spotlight game that finally won't get bumped on local TV for the 49ers yeah. or the Raiders because they're playing Thank on God. Thursday night. I knew Thursday night football was good for something. I know, you know? right? <laughs> but yeah, Packers and Patriots. I mean, there are just so many fantasy legends kind of facing off of that game. You got Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, Rob Gronkowski versus Jimmy Graham. Kenyon Barner versus Jamal Williams, <laughs> maybe. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah, no, um, yeah, but I mean that that's got to be a good game. I mean, every time you get to see two of those, you know, kind of legendary QBs square off against each other, I do think that they they take that shit seriously and they try to outdo one another. So I, I'm looking forward to that game too. Um, the other one I will throw out is that Charger Seahawks game because of those concerns I had about, you know, Rivers potentially being a clipboard holder against that defense. Like, I want to see if that defense is legit or not. And on the other side of the ball, I want to see the return of Joey Bosa, man. I want to see Joey Bosa going against Russell Wilson, and that should be really exciting. So I think those are probably the three most intriguing games of the week to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, the Thursday game is going to be the battle of Nick Bosa, and then uh, the, the the Sunday afternoon game is going to be the battle of Joey Bosa. <laughs> I like it. Hey, um, let's look a little further ahead, and we got to talk about Eli Manning, because he's on by this yeah. week, but what would you say are the odds of him starting and finishing the Week 10 game against San Francisco on Monday night in Week 10? Oh, man, oh, that's a good question. I would put it pretty low. I'd say about 20%. I think they have to move on. I mean, if you look at the Giants, the Giants are also like the Cowboys, not a normal NFL team. They're going to look at outside, you know, resources. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. I think, I don't know. They're going to go with Loletta, right? You think so? <laughs> I, I mean, if they make a move, it has to go to Loletta. My my question is, how soon do they do it? Like, do they just start Loletta outright? Do what happens? Like, pull the Geno Smith on Eli Manning yet again. Uh, This year, like, there are no more excuses. They won't take a ton of heat for moving on, especially because they'd be bringing in a rookie. But I I don't know. Like, I think I saw a report today that Shermer has already said 
that you know Eli's our guy for now dot 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 or whatever like does yeah. that mean that Eli's yeah. going to start and Laletta's going to come in or does that mean that yeah. Laletta you know next week they'll announce yeah we've decided to go to Laletta like I, I honestly yeah. don't know but I'm I'm with you like yeah. I think that at some point they're going to have to make the switch but uh, I think that this is the type of matchup you know going against San Francisco where if Eli Manning is allowed to start the game he can probably do okay against that defense right yeah, he would be. Yeah, battle one in seven teams. You know, <laughs> it's another uh, Nick Bosa bowl. But uh, I think at this point you have to go to Loletta. I, I know he took first team reps in practice today, and uh, I don't know. The writing's on the wall. They they're gonna have a bye coming up, obviously. And uh, I don't know. I think you have to go with Loletta. How does that impact your view of the skill position players there? Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. We have to downgrade some of those guys, if not all of them, if they move on from Manning, like as bad as Manning's been, there's no way we can trust Kyle Laletta either. Right. I would trust him more than you think. I mean, Laletta, hot take. I know he came out of Richmond as a subdivision FBS team, I think. And uh, I don't know. He's good. I watched some video on him. You know, he has some, he has amazing fade passes, you know, on the corner of the end zone. And that's back from specialty. More, more, more than anything else, he can get the ball off. You know, Eli Manning just holds onto the ball so much. He hurts the team so much more than he helps the team. He can just, Laletta can just get the damn ball off. He has best, most talent of, of any any team, all 32 teams. I think the, the Giants have the best combination of running back and wide receiver tight end talent of any of these teams. Eli Manning is the issue. He's obviously the issue. You have to go with Loletta. I know, hot take. I know, I know, sports talk radio. But no, it, it can't help but to, it can't. I mean, this, this change would only help the offense. I really believe so. I would not downgrade Odell Beckham whatsoever. I think the one player you would have to downgrade is Barkley. And Barkley's great. Don't get me wrong. Barkley's yeah. amazing. But in addition to Eli Manning being a, pro- being a problem, their offensive line is a problem too. And, you know, if defenses can start stacking the box against Barkley and making Laoletta beat them, then that could be a situation where, you know, things just don't work out for Barkley. Now, with that said, he's still prolific yeah. enough in the passing game that it might not matter. Uh, I, I think the real losers are probably going to end up being the tertiary guys there, Ingram and Shepard, just because we know Beckham's going to get fed. We know Barkley's going to get fed. Laletta can't be that much worse than Eli at this point, but just based upon you know the volume that rookie quarterbacks tend to get, I would be worried about him passing enough to keep those third and fourth options relevant. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's still going to be a rookie QB, his fourth round pick. You know, he's going to be a game manager. It's going to go first, second down to to Barkley. You know, he's going to be like any other guy. I, I would give this guy a little bit more credit. I, I think he's like a, like a Tony Romo type. I know Belichick was on him. They were talking about him being the heir apparent to Tom Brady. Uh, this guy could be special, but he still was a fourth round pick, you know, and he had a great senior bowl, you know, and, you know, he could have he could have been a much higher than a fourth round pick. I'm just saying that Loletta could be the QB of the future and the Giants have to find out whether they need to take a QB in the first round or trade for a QB, or if Loletta is is the man. I, I would put Loletta like last year's C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard, he didn't expect to be thrown in the position that he was, but he started a lot of games and did pretty good. So Loletta could be quite a lot like C.J. Beathard. It's QB2 yeah. status. <laughs> I don't know if, if Loletta has the same rushing chops as Beathard yeah, does. that's true. And for fantasy, that matters. But in general, just as like a football fan, I'll believe it when I see it from Laletta. I'm not going <laughs> to jump to any conclusions. But 
if you are in a two quarterback league and you want to try to maybe get out ahead of this, maybe you try to pick him up this week. I don't know yeah. how well that'll work out for you, but it is something to explore, uh, especially if you have the room on your roster. Maybe maybe you had Jameis Winston, right, and you don't have enough yeah. fab or don't have the waiver priority to get Ryan Fitzpatrick, or it's possible that Ryan Fitzpatrick is already owned, and if that's the case, then maybe Lalette is a, a good consolation prize for you. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about stashing some fantasy defenses for the playoffs and I know that a lot of people have gotten rid of kickers and defenses in their leagues but for the most part I think people tend to still play with those positions uh so when you look at weeks 14 15 and 16 which defenses stand out to you as ones that you might want to stash you know sooner rather than later yeah like right now you got to think of the championship it's going into week nine week 15 is right around the corner you have to really be looking towards the future using those bench spaces as backup as as league winners type of thing. So week 15, I would pick up Cincinnati. Uh, they're at home versus Oakland in week 15. And Oakland is a dead team, absolutely. Cincinnati has a pretty good defense. I would be safely starting Cincy in week 15. You have to think that you're going to get to week 15. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably in the champ. You're in the race. And you have to think that you're at least you're going to be in the, the semifinals. And I would pick up uh, New England. Everyone probably has New England right now because right now, as we speak, they're playing the Bills. In week 16, they play the Bills. So at home, right now they're at Buffalo. It's 9-3 to three as we speak, 13 minutes in the third. Um, yeah, so if you could if you could pick up both New England and Cincinnati, stream Cincy week 15 versus Oakland, stream New England week 16 versus Buffalo, I think you're going to be good. That's how you win championships. Yeah, you have to start thinking about this stuff now in Week 9 because even like you were talking about with New England, they're a defense that's owned right now against Buffalo, but they play Green Bay next week. They have a bye in Week 11, so there's a good chance that someone in your league is going to drop the Patriots, and if you are mindful of that and you know that they're going to get to face Miami in Week 14 and then Buffalo in Week 16, and you can stash them either through that Green Bay matchup or through that bye week, then that could really pay dividends for you in the fantasy playoffs. So you got to start thinking about that stuff now for sure. I, I really like those calls. Last thing before we go, Jeff, give me a bold prediction for Week 9. All right, so that Sunday night game, it's going to be Rodgers going into New England, the GOAT versus the GOAT, right? I think the Packers, they need a win. They're easily going to knock off New England. They're going to beat them easily, handily. could be a blowout. Packers over Patriots could be a preview of the Super Bowl, but I'd say Rodgers over Brady. You are way higher on the Packers than I am. Preview of the Super Bowl? <laughs> could be. Hey, it's the best two QBs in the league. You realize that the Rams <laughs> and the Saints are still in the NFC with the Packers, right? I don't care. Who's that Mahomes guy? I don't care. You realize that the Bears are in first place in the <laughs> NFC North, right? <laughs> yeah, the Trubisky's a bad quarterback. I'm good. <laughs> All right, so my bold prediction is that Lamar Jackson is going to take over at quarterback Ooh. for Baltimore and finish as a top 15 quarterback in Week 9. So we'll see how that works out. Ooh. Fingers crossed. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. I have Lamar Jackson, our keeper league for $1. So more power to the Ravens. <laughs> more power to you, man. Well, uh, Jeff, thanks, thanks uh, again for coming on the show here. Um, listeners, you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff D one, one nine. You got anything you want to plug or anything along those lines before we get out of here? Not two QBs.com is pretty cool. Uh, go ahead and vote on Tuesday. 
Great. That's a great plug. I'll echo that. Go out and vote for your friggin' local elections, the national elections. This is important stuff. Uh, honestly, like the local stuff might be more important at a, a personal level to each and every one of you listening to this. So learn about your propositions. Go go get schooled on that stuff and, and figure it out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great, great advice, Jeff. Good call. Thank you. Listeners, if you want to send questions to the show, you can hit us up on Twitter at 2QBs. That's T-W-O-Q-B-S. Our email address is spelled the same way, 2QBs at gmail.com. Please take the time to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. All of those are really helpful. I would really appreciate it. And with that all out of the way, good luck in week nine. We'll talk to you later. Adios. Adios.